Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. Si, senor. Quack, quack. Bark, bark. Etc. Hmm, do tell. There's nobody listening to us. We can say or do whatever we want. It's a holiday for everyone in America. And uh, so we can say or do whatever. We can play country music all the whole show. We can talk about cooking recipes. We can do whatever we want. Oh, no, no, no. As soon as the mimosas wear off, everybody will download the podcast and and dig Ah. our, uh, our usual garbage. I had forgotten about the podcast. Yeah. Dimly lit room, etc., etc. Today we're under the tutelage of our general manager, Joseph R. Biden, leader of the free world. There you go. Somebody's got to. Somebody's <sighs> got to. Flat there. Yeah. How you doing? Happy President's Day. Your kids are probably off if you have kids. Boo on President's Day. Boo! Joe is booing President's Day. Why? We, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to hold off uh, on explaining that until mailbag. We got a terrific okay. email on the topic from a dad lamenting what we have lost by mushing Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday into the innocuous President's Day, which might as well be about Tyler as anybody else from the name. So, obviously, uh, Ukraine Russia is an uh, ongoing story, and it uh, had quite a weekend, and there's a lot going on right now, including breaking news. What, Russia's claiming that five people were killed, or I don't even remember which direction it goes at this point. It doesn't matter, because so few things are true uh, that get reported, um, as Russia's continuing to try to make it seem like they're under attack, and that they've got no choice. Which is hilarious, and as always, I ask, who is that for? Uh, Moscow is claiming it killed five Ukrainian troops who crossed into Russia. Ukraine is saying we haven't crossed into Russia. That would be a bad move. Uh, And they probably didn't, but uh, there you go. So um it's hotter we now. had to take over ukraine we we're being attacked constantly just it's it's childlike yeah it is uh it's hotter now that was on friday um remember we were debating on friday whether or not uh the president of ukraine the youtube president should uh go to munich for the big conference he did leave his country go to the conference and come back he made it back in but uh he gave us quite the uh the finger wagging tongue lashing whether you agree with him or not about hey if you're going to put all these sanctions on them and punish them, why don't you do it now? You're the ones who said they're attacking. You're the, you're, it's your president who said, it. I know he's attacking now. Well, if it's started, why, why wait until Kiev's taken over? Why don't you do it now? That's what he said. Well, and it was some good, good hot rhetoric, too. You know, when our men are lying dead in the streets, when our buildings are leveled, when our children are shrieking in fear, what good are the sanctions going to do us? So uh, what's your thought on that? Does that make sense to you? Why are we waiting? I go back and forth. Well, it's it's not the sanctions that are operative right now. It's the threat of the sanctions. It's a you better not. So I, I get his point. Well, so the argument that Kamala Harris wisely laid out, because oh. she is so good. Can you imagine being Zelensky? At, at the he's at, at, has the Russian gun pointing at his head, and, and, and the great superpower sends Kamala Harris. 
to consult with. You know, let's, let's let's start this show officially because I know what our opening clip is, and then we can discuss more from there. Um, I, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Monday, February 21st, celebrated as President's Day. True international depression. Go Garfield. The year 2022. New you in 22. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Okay, let's leap into action then officially according to FCC rules and regs. Then we'll get back to what we were doing before at Mark. We must together work together to see where we are, where we are headed, where yes. we are going, and our vision for where we should be. Right. But also see it as a moment, yes, to together address the challenges oh. and to work on the opportunities. There you go. Honey, Apple Maps isn't working. I can't find the end of the sentence. So when she finishes one of those, and she does it with her head bobbing like... Mm. As I, as I said last week, it's her swagger. She brings so much swagger to these nonsensical sentences. When she finishes, though, does, does, she, does she feel like, yeah, stuck the landing, nailed it. Is that what she feels or does she? Because when I do that, I, I do that. When I do that, like I talk myself into a cul-de-sac, I think, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that went badly. <laughs> <laughs> does, does, but I don't get the sense she feels that way. I get the sense she thinks, yeah, I really laid it on there, huh? Huh? Well, she's spent. How old a woman is she? I mean, she's nearing sixty, right? She's had her certainly in her fifties. Yeah, um, she's had a fairly long and and notably successful career of laying that hogwash out with the swagger <laughs> and the head shake and and getting promoted for it. Is somebody looking up Kamala Harris's age? As yeah. it has been asked. Um. Yeah. Let, can we hear that again? At least the first part, because it's just oh, such the a whole good, thing. Are you kidding? It's, it's a so... symphony of nonsense. <laughs> We must together, work together, to see where we are, where we are headed, where we are going, and our vision for where we should be, but also see it as a moment, yes, to together address the challenges yeah. and to work on the opportunities. It's the, it's the asides, oh, yeah. it's the semicolons, it's the, all those in her sentences that I really enjoy. And we, all of us, together need to, and yes... Will together, you know, that sort of thing. Well, and the needless repetition of we need to look forward at the future to what is to come in the future together. You you talk for a living. You know what that is. That's when you got nothing. Right. That's when you're 57, by the way. She's 57. That's when you you got nothing is when you're talking like that. If you can't dazzle them with diamonds, baffle them with bull ass, as uh, the old saying used to go. But one of the things she said at one point when asked about the sanctions uh, and the fact that Zelensky said, hey, you're the people who said this has already started, so then go ahead and start with the sanctions. Ah. Well, the argument is, um, no, that's 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 our uh, you know carrot and stick approach. That's our stick. If you hit them with the stick first, it doesn't do any good. But I'm not sure I buy that, because you why can't you put on the, the harsh sanctions? All right, you no longer, you and your your oligarch buddies who are super rich who aren't going to be happy about this no longer have access to any banking in the world you no longer can do anything with your money you want that taken off then you better back the frig off i I I understand how it doesn't work as a taking away the punishment thing oh oh, i think it does it's absolutely a valid point of view you know, you might have a different opinion, but that's a valid point of view. I thought that had been taken off the table, though, that specific locking them out of the entire banking system. Mm. I had understood that is off the table, which just goes to show preventing warfare in Ukraine is important, but it's not that important. Well, whatever we're about to do, if it isn't painful enough that it would make somebody stop, I don't think it's going to work after the fact. 
Oh, Be- right. Beside right. the fact that uh, all the reporting is that, that Putin's been preparing for this. He's been um, hoarding money, and he's got mm, like three quarters of a trillion dollars saved up just to prepare for sanctions. Well, and you remember that how many, 2,500 or 4,000 page agreement that Putin and Chairman Xi of China just signed? I'm absolutely certain that part of that, there were a couple of paragraphs on, and hey, when we uh, take back what's so rightfully ours in Ukraine and the world sanctions us, China is uh, committed to buy X amount of natural gas and trade us X number of TV sets and whatever else. So that's that's part of it. Russia is the third largest oil producer in the world, and the price of oil is hitting new records every single day, and that will only go up. If the uh, full-on invasion starts, so I, I like his hand better than the world's in terms of what's going to happen. I'm still not completely convinced of why he, what he hope, what he's hoping to accomplish here long term. But I don't know. I uh, I'm not looking forward to the videos of lots of dead people in the streets. So. No, indeed. And uh, just one final thought uh, to your question: How many people did Russia lose in WW two? Oh, geez. The, so the bulk. 50 million? Or? Not that many, but many, many, No, that many was people. the total deaths, yeah, but it was it was tens of millions. Um, I think, you know, it, it's difficult for folks like ourselves, Americans, to get into the Russian mindset. Now, I'm not trying to justify Putin or explain that he's right or anything like that, but the desperate, desperate need to protect against an invasion from Europe is is pretty deep in their psyches. I mean, if if Mexico... Probably a bad example because we ought to be securing the Mexican border for ten exam for ten reasons. Uh, but if uh, Canada, for instance, had invaded the United States and and killed uh, twenty million people, you know, just a couple of generations ago, uh, we would have a very very different attitude toward Canadian forces anywhere near the border. Yeah, well, I was going to bring that up later. Um, 60 Minutes featured this author last night in the first segment, Timothy Snyder, who wrote the book Bloodlands, which I read several years ago when it came out. And it's all about Ukraine uh, for the most part. And that is a part of the world that has suffered more than practically anywhere else on the planet. They are used to being invaded and punished and dying by the thousands. That is in their uh, that is in their DNA. So that's part of the reason that they're not quite as frightened as it seems like they ought to be Hmm. with an invader on their border. That's their national lore, is constantly being invaded and slaughtered. And when they're not being slaughtered, being starved. Yeah. Um, We got more on that later, though. Cheery stuff. Try not to be the most uh, dour show in America. Of course, nobody's listening because it's President's Day. Um, And, and of course, I'll I'll bring my always delightful presidential trivia to the show. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. How does mail bag look? Oh, it's so good. So good. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm just going to sit back, enjoy a cup of joe, and listen to Mailbag when we come back. Text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Semi-breaking news. President Vladimir Putin has convened a special emergency meeting. Oh, no. With other top officials to consider recognizing the independence of Russia-backed separatist regions. It's gotten so bad (laughs) that they need to have a special meeting to see. I think we need to uh, recognize these as separate parts of Ukraine. And support them that because of the genocide. So uh, I'll be shocked to see what the results of the meeting are. 
Got to be for a domestic audience, I guess. I mean, because the rest of the world is just rolling its eyes violently at this stuff. It's exactly as Blinken, for all of his knuckleheadedness, laid out last week. Ridiculous. And the Olympics are over. Chairman Xi says, anytime you like, Vlad, buddy. Mm. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. On this President's Day, I'm going with a Brit. You know why? Because I didn't think it was President's Day. I didn't think of it. Anyway, here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. George Orwell from 1984, written in 1949. Hike. All tyrannies rule through fraud and force, but once the fraud is exposed, they must rely exclusively on force. 1984 was written in 48. That's where he came up with 84. He just reversed the numbers, 48, 84. That's why he's one of the greatest geniuses in the history of the English language. Then it came out in 49. Maneuvers like that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. He didn't actually think it would happen in 1984. It just seemed like a good random number in the future, so we reversed it. So you're saying if he'd written it in 1947? Yes. Would have been in about 1974. Huh? Jerry Ford walked the planks of the White House. <laughs> the New York Yankees were in New York. <laughs> 1974. Who could forget it? Uh, let's see. Ah, uh, the junkie takeover. Roy writes, hey, yesterday I witnessed a crazy person blocking traffic, waving a T-shirt at cars, laying down in front of cars, screaming obscenities, etc. We've all seen this. Two police cars drove by, did nothing. Then two motorcycle police officers, again, ignored his behavior. I called 311. I was on hold for three and a half minutes. Finally, I was told to hold on again and would be connected with the police. After another minute of waiting, I gave up. There's a great story in the New York Post yesterday. Are we abandoning the uh, mailbag music? Have you made that uh, command decision? or uh... No, I thought we were going to just fade it out. Okay. Did I not call for mail? I didn't no. say mailbag. I just sat here waiting. I'm sorry. I feel, oh, I feel like something's missing from my life. I feel like I've left Michael at the altar. Mailbag. Sorry. There was a great uh, piece in the New York Post yesterday about some guy. He, he and his wife and kids went to a Broadway play in New York, and he talked about how, you know, drug-crazed homeless people were scaring the crap out of them as they walked from the car, dropping them off into the theater, and if they won't go back any, anymore. And he said, when did this occur? Because he hadn't been to Broadway in forever. When did this become dangerous to go to this area of town? Right. This used to be the nice area of town. Tourist Central, too. Yeah. I remember the last time I went to the theater in San Francisco, took uh, Judy and Delaney, and, and it was, uh, I insisted they wait at the theater when we left, and I would come and pick them up. Yeah, that's just great. It's too nasty. So, uh, Michael, it's ironic you would start the music now because uh, Chris writes, guys, is it uh, in the honor of all of our blue cities, is it time to update the great Lips Incorporated song from the 80s, Won't You Take Me to Funky Town? Uh, let's call it, Won't You Take Me to Junkie Town? Please get me out of Junkie Town. Junkie Town, that's right. That's pretty good. If it, if it were still the era of... Making songs like that and song radio? parodies. Yeah. yeah. Junkie Town would be the perfect one. You take me to Junkie Town. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That a great suggestion 20 years ago. Or, or you know, <laughs> 40 well, no, years it's funny. Ago. It's great. I'm not harassing our, our beloved listener, but yeah, I just, whole song parody thing. Uh, Dear Big, Big Freedom and Simple Jack, writes Rich in beautiful green Oregon. My son asked me today, what, what do we celebrate on President's Day? Mm. When I was growing up, we celebrated Washington's and Lincoln's birthdays separately. I was able to learn George Washington was a great general and despised anything close to royalty or putting politicians on a pedestal. Uh, Of course, he refused to have that done to himself. He he hated the idea. 
Uh, I learned Abraham Lincoln's greatest accomplishment was freeing the people from slavery. Also, Lincoln overcame many, so many failures before his success. He was a great example of never give up. It dawned on me that we've given up these two holidays for others at the cost of not teaching the next generations the significance of uh, our American history and, and the greatest uh, among us. Have a great President's Day today, whatever that is. It's nothing. It's a nothing. And uh, my question would be, was that on purpose? Is it just the laziness of they wanted a three-day weekend? They wanted another three-day weekend. And if you celebrate Washington and Lincoln's birthdays actually on their birthdays, they come at random times. And so they went to President's Day to get a three-day weekend. Or is it part of the we don't really think founding fathers are something to celebrate. So let's stop and kind of just water it down. Well, I, it, most of it had to do with progressives wanting holidays for other people, and that would have been too many holidays, according to our work agreements with federal uh, unionized federal workers. So they had to combine two into one when they added some of the new ones. Yeah, because it, it it is a nothing now. It's a nothing. It's just a, oh. it's just like Labor Day or Memorial Day or anything else. It's just a three day weekend. Right. The decision was purely administrative. Had nothing to do with history. Great. If you miss an hour of the show, pick up the podcast at ArmstrongandGetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. For some people here, the war has already begun. Shelling in the east, where Ukrainian soldiers oppose Russian-backed separatists, has increased, with two Ukrainian soldiers killed Saturday. Separatist leaders ordered an evacuation, with a dubious warning that Ukraine, surrounded by 190,000 Russian soldiers, plans to attack. We are taking enough food for one day, she says. We don't know when we'll be back. That was yesterday. News this morning. Russia reporting that they killed five Ukrainian soldiers that had crossed the border to attack Russians. I have my doubts. Also, Putin has called an emergency meeting of officials on whether or not they should declare various regions of Ukraine independent. And just moments ago, a couple of separatist leaders appeared on television asking Putin to recognize the independence of their territories. A couple of, it looked like uh, thugs in suits, saying, "We, uh, I want to be president of new uh, independent, what you might call it. And, Isn't that uh, charming? Yeah, exactly. After graduating from West Point, Mike Lyons had a distinguished career in the United States military, awarded the Bronze Star for his actions in combat, and is a well-respected and loved around here military analyst. Uh, Mike, welcome. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be back with you. Hey, has it started? Will we know when it started? Is this the start? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, usually artillery starts these kinds of combats and uh, these kinds of uh, conflicts. And I, you know, we could we're sitting there. We got this report over the weekend about how the the commanders on the front have got their orders and and the like. I mean, we're just ignoring all principles of war about surprise or or or, or the like. Um, but from from Vladimir Putin's perspective, he controls everything on the ground there. So I I think for, from all practical purposes that, that it has and in, in his eyes, and this is just a way of you know extending it out before the rest of the world recognizes it. I think that's really what this is all about. Um, as he just controlled the narrative from top to bottom. We saw yesterday um, we couldn't get out this press release fast enough about how Joe Biden is going to meet with him. We don't know where or when or whatever. And then all of a sudden this morning that that's been canceled for. I, I think. I mean, the, the, the Russian 
um, uh, communique says uh, we're not so fast on that. So, so I, I do think that now with the Olympics over, you're going to see a lot more stepping up. But from from my perspective on what's happening on the ground, this is this has already started. What's interesting uh, while watching this unfold in real time, and it's so reminiscent of various similar incidents in history, is that it's not clear at all what Putin's goals are. Does he want a little? Does he want a lot? You know, and and that's part of the way expansionists keep those who would intervene, you know, off uh, off balance. I guess. I, I think he wants a lot. I think that he, he, the kind of forces he's gathered there means he wants a lot. I think that um, he, he's got to have that capability, especially to the north and Belarus, and and the fact that he can easily close off um, the, the 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 boundary of western Ukraine. Um, but this is going to be a, more than just a boundary, the physical boundary that, that exists on the ground. It's going to be a cyber. It's going to be all the infrastructure. It's going to be the things that, that controls there. Um, if you take a look at the amount of pipelines that run through Ukraine from from Russia that uh, he's going to have to strategically get, get a hold of right away. I also think, though, that he doesn't want to destroy Ukraine to take it. I think that's why he's proceeding very carefully um, when he does finally launch, let's say, a larger attack where it's more obvious that people say, oh, yeah, here we go, things are on. I, he's going to really go after the Ukraine military and, and their bases and places that are likely away from built-up areas, uh, knowing full well that um, you know, the, the Ukraine um, military is, is guarding important things, but for all practical purposes, again, they're going to be a target in this whole thing. Yeah, that was the reporting CBS had yesterday that the that uh, they, he has so many troops because he wants to occupy the country. He doesn't want to destroy it. He wants to have a working, you know, uh, economic asset of a country to be running. Yeah, it, it looks like right now this is going the way of you know we could do this hard or we could do this easy. And um, you saw over the weekend also Zelensky the. The Ukraine minister basically challenged the West, saying, "You guys have all these sanctions. You won't tell me what they are, and you won't start them in place now." You know, he's bombing me right now, and you guys aren't aren't doing anything. And you know, we sent our crack vice president over there to make a statement or two about something about something. But um, no, it, it, again, this he Vladimir Putin runs this whole thing top to bottom, and um, we have to be careful, I also think, about looking for transactions on a daily basis of, of, you know, one thing is going to happen that's going to cause something else, and that's because if you just look back at it, he's been planning this for the last eight months, The, the amount of troops that are there, the amount of seeds that have been planted, the amount of things that he's done over the past eight, nine months, go back from the past 14 years, uh, this has been going, this has been a long time coming, which is why I, he's just not going to all of a sudden pull the plug and say, nah, forget it, we're not going to do it. So here's something you know a lot about. We have been the dominant military force rolling into a smaller country, and you know, and you would think, okay, we're just going to roll them over and take it over. But then you have, uh, you know, uh, a whole bunch of people that are really unhappy that you're there, mm-hmm. shooting at you and bombing you alongside the road for years to come. Is that what uh, Putin's looking at? I think that's one of the deterrents. There's, there's two of them. He's got that one, an insurgency that could take place, knowing that we would try to fund that and supply weapons to those people if we can get them. This is why he has to seal that border. Um, but I think that second thing is the deterrence of, of the fact that the Ukraine military you know, can inflict some damage on Russian troops, and sending a bunch of Russian body bags back the other direction is not going to go well with Russian people. Um, this And the sanctions, let's say the sanctions do work, and they, they do somewhat strangle off the, the Russian economy, and Russian people feel it. So there's, there's, still, there's slight bits of deterrence still left, which is why I think he's trying to squeeze this thing out. 
to make it more of a fait accompli because he really doesn't want to go full force, 190,000 troops occupying there. But the, the other thing is, these things never go as intended. Look, look at um, the Gulf War. Go back to that. Saddam Hussein never thought that the United States would do anything, never thought the United States would put an ally together like we did, never thought we would finally you know, do anything. And look what happened there. There's so many examples in history of where uh, things, once the shooting starts, it's that whole Mike Tyson thing of, you know, everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. And once the shooting starts on in earnest on both sides, he, he's going to lose control of the initiative at that point. Military analyst Mike Lyons is on the line. Uh, this is less military and more diplomatic, but uh, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that uh, Xi of China and Putin signed this gigantic new we're best buddies agreement uh, on the eve of this happening. How important is China being willing to bail Russia out uh, economically? Yeah, I think 100% is the backstop, is the net that he wanted in order to uh, feel more confident that if he does this, that at least they'll stay out of it. They won't say anything, let's say, but they'll also provide that economic support in the background. He'll lose some some uh, energy uh, exports over the next few months, let's say. Um, and, and, you know, now we're seeing this alliance between Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, that could potentially take place. And, you know, we're right, here we go back to the future. We're back to having this, these two poles again. The United States has done really a terrible job the past 30 years, all administrations to be blamed for this, and, and not keeping together these certain alliances. I, I don't th- I think um, the last, you know, the, what, what the last administration tried to do with NATO to pony up money to figure out how we were going to get along was important. I think this administration is just still a day later, dollar short. When he got up there last week and said, this alliance is really strong. You see that Macron's been there to, to negotiate separately, that the UK have been there to negotiate separately. We're not really speaking with one voice. And, it, you know, once, again, once things become more evident that he's rolled, I, I think that, uh, you know, that you, you're not going to see a united front. Sometimes you don't recognize something bad has happened until it's already over. Um, is the world about to wake up here in the next couple of days, couple of weeks, whatever, and just and everybody recognize, okay, the world is just we have a completely different world order going on than we've had for the last many decades. Yeah, that's I, it could be that tipping point that we've seen happen often in times. I mean, maybe we'll stop inviting Vladimir Putin to Davos and stop inviting him to, you know, conferences and let him talk. Uh, you know, maybe we'll treat him like the, the thug and the dictator and he is and how, you know, maybe that'll happen. I, I'm not sure. We, we, we can't seem to help ourselves, though, with this in terms of it's always about the money. It's always about economics. And I, I, I still shake my head. How does Germany shut down all their nuclear power plants mm. and decide to outsource their energy? to Russia and knowing full well that you know this is who they're outsourcing it to. Even as we give away our energy independence, which makes me nuts. But uh, yeah. my final question, just as a, a devil's advocate, uh, maybe question, uh, given especially the Russian experience in WW2, horrific losses, the rest of it, mm-hmm. uh, Russia has a fair amount of, you could call it paranoia or just concern about invasion. Uh, was there a way, maybe is there a way to to grant Putin security assurances enough to settle this down? That's a great question. I don't think he, at this point he'll believe them. I think that's what we're, we're talking about here. And, and um, even if we said, you know, uh, Ukraine won't be in NATO, it's going to be that peace in our time analogy. We're all looking for what's the historical analogy here. You've got uh, the analogy of what happened in the Middle East in, in, the, in the 60s and 70s with the Arab countries coming to the Israeli border to threaten war. That, that's what this is to me more like it. But I think I think anything else like that is appeasement because um, there's no way Ukraine ever is in NATO. Uh, the Germans wouldn't go for it. The Turks wouldn't go for it. 
so it's not going to happen, but we're not going to say that quite part out loud. Um, and I don't think he's going to believe it at this point. And I think for all practical purposes, he, he, and he wants to get that, that former Soviet Union and restore that power there, try to get that economic um, bolt that he'll get when he takes over this country. Military analyst Major Mike Lyons. Mike, I hope we can stay in touch. Whatever unfolds, it's going to be uh, significant, I think. so. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It's going to be it's going to be significant. Yeah, which is a, a gross understatement, but uh, there you have it. Thanks, Mike. A very serious sounding <clears throat> Mike Lyons there. So CBS is reporting yesterday with uh, David Martin. I believe he was the first one that reported that um, Russian military leaders had been given the go ahead to start. And he also reported that Russia is planning a shock and awe campaign similar to what we did to Baghdad when we went in. And uh, it's going to start with cyber, and then they're just going to light up the sky, bombing the crap out of stuff. Um, And that's where I heard that the reason they have 190,000 troops is then they want to occupy the place quickly and have a you know, a functioning state. They don't want to destroy the country. They want to run the country. Right. Um, But uh, Jake Sullivan, our Secretary of State, no, it's a national security advisor just moments ago uh, said this. Um, Russia is planning an extremely violent operation to crush Ukraine. So I don't know. I don't know how you can do shock and awe and not destroy a hell of a lot of stuff. Well, what I was picturing when Mike was talking, Mike Lyons, was that uh, picturing the Russian military decimating you know, X percent of the Ukrainian military in such short order that everybody from military leadership to uh, civilian leadership says, all right, this will be suicide if we don't come to some sort of agreement, see what Russia wants. Um, we won't sacrifice, you know, 75 percent of the young men of this country in a need in a, you know, useless uh, mission, suicide mission. And then, you know, Putin gets a quote unquote political settlement. And installs his puppet regime, and you know, one hundred and fifty thousand lives are spared. Mm. Uh, I, I, that's probably what he's hoping for. Just so overwhelming that they just say there's no point in trying to resist this. R- right? Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. Heard Grim a, stuff, man. Heard a lot of people Ooh. interviewed on the street who say they're willing to fight to the death for this, but uh, we'll see. That is grim. Thank, as I as I've been saying all last week. Thank God every day you live in the United States where there's no freaking chance some country's going to, you know, roll tanks in and take over. You're going to have to, like, get your hunting gun and hide behind bushes and, and see how long you can last against trained soldiers to try to defend your country. Thank God you don't have to do that. Yipes, yipes. And at the risk of driving the point into the ground, when we gave away our energy independence... We empowered Putin beyond. It's difficult to uh, to uh, estimate accurately how much more hand to quote Seinfeld we gave Putin. It's absolutely awful to appease the wackadoodle American environmental left, farming out energy production to countries that are way worse to the environment than we are. It's just insane. You mentioned Seinfeld. Speaking of Seinfeld, what I'm giving myself for my birthday. Is related to Seinfeld. Hmm. Among other things we can talk about coming up, our text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, Wall Street Journal's got a piece, Good Riddance to the Olympics. I was just reading a piece in the AP about how uh, NBC is rethinking whether or not that was a good investment to get into the Olympics. Bill Maher was talking about why of all, all, all the problems exist with China and the Olympics on his show Friday night. In 1997, Britain returned Hong Kong to China with an agreement that Beijing, that from Beijing, that Hong Kong could retain its free press, honest courts, and democratic government. Well, they lied. Democracy and freedom are being crushed there. And China doesn't want anyone to talk about it. And because so much money is involved, no one does. Two years ago, when the general manager of the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, tweeted, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong, he was forced to apologize. (laughs) In America, we're supposed to root for democratic government, not apologize for it. But the NBA has a television deal with China worth a billion and a half dollars. So LeBron James said Maury needed to be educated on the situation. The situation being, I got some shoes to sell. Love the fact we got a lot of that to play. Bill Maher really took on the relationship Hollywood and sports and various companies have with China. I really think we're at that turning point. And then uh, if if Russia is able to uh, uh, evade the sanctions for going into Ukraine because China helps him out, for better or worse, it has to happen. It's inevitable. I think the big split with China is uh, is in the process of happening. Wow, that's that's going to be a split that takes a heck of a long time to, to oh, yeah. split. Oh, yeah, I'd say. And, and, and immense pain and, and argument and anger, and, and it's going to be, well, I just, I already said immense pain. I mean, there are, if not our biggest trading, trading partner, one of our most critical. Yikes. Uh, speaking of pain, I'm a year older. It's my birthday today, and the only thing you get out of uh, birthdays past, like, the age of 25 is you feel worse. And you look worse. That's the only thing you get out of it, really. So, Not a uh, joke. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you celebrate for a birthday. I guess the fact at some point, I suppose you get old enough. I'm not there yet. You start celebrating the fact that you're still alive. But I don't right. think I'm there yet. You, I'm expected to be alive at my age. Um, but this is what I'm getting myself for my birthday, uh, and I can't get it today. I can, I can commit to it today. Maybe pay for it today. Is uh, some training in TM they call it. Transcendental Meditation, which I've just oh. really learned about in the last week or so. Um, I thought you were going to say a pony. I but. didn't. I, I, I've tried meditating many times over the years. I've you know read books or listened to YouTube videos or whatever, and just have never had any luck and just decided it's not something I can do. And then I became aware of Transcendental Meditation, which I'd heard of but never looked into, which is a completely different thing that everybody who does it and loves it says it's effortless and uh, will change your life. And specifically, I watched an hour... Our interview with Jerry Seinfeld on YouTube last night huh. with one of the uh, leading proponents of trans- transcendental meditation. Jerry Seinfeld's been doing it for 42 years. Wow. And swears by it and says all his success is, is based on it. And and he, he regularly he runs into people who don't do it. And he says, I don't know how you stay up all day. Uh, like, you know, how do you stay? How do you stay up all night? I don't understand. I understand how people stay up all day, how he just gets re-energized and refreshed and he couldn't possibly make it through the day without taking the break for transcendental meditation. That hmm. is effortless and completely different from all the other painful, 
impossible meditation that you've tried to do in your life. So I still don't know much about it, but I'm going to sign up for one of the classes because apparently you need a coach. That makes me a little skeptical. The fact that you got to pay somebody to learn how to do it makes me skeptical. But I know so many people that have no reason to have a profit motive. People I know personally. And then like Jerry Seinfeld, he's not making any money, who just swear by it. Once you learn to do it, it'll change your life. It's easy. So that's my commitment to myself for my birthday. That's what I'm going to get myself instead of a pony. I'll be darned. And I'll let you know how it turns out once I learn how to do it, if it helps or not. I question my ability to stick with it, but um, we'll see. Well, I was I would like to hear what it's all about. Uh, then I will try it. And if I'm not good at it in the first 10 minutes, I'll, I'll quit. Well, that's that's one of the things people love about it is you're good at it right away. It's easy and you're good at it right away. It's not like the other kind of meditation that you we've all probably done where you try to stop thoughts and it's painful and you try it for like a minute and then the next time you try it for two minutes and then pretty soon you quit. I think we've all done that. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this. I don't, I don't know that much about it. And if you've had any experience with it, text me at 415-295-KFTC. I'm actually like thrilled at the possibility of something that could be a major change at this point in my life. Wow, fantastic. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, we'll see. Riding a pony's relaxing, I'm telling you. (laughs) No downside to a pony, really, either. Armstrong and Getty.